Hello everyone. Today we are introducing Nathan Sipley to the Meeting Mighty People podcast. Nathan Sipley is a member of the BC Cerebral Palsy Association. He's also the founder of Rolling with Nathan, a business that he created where he goes and speaks to many different nurses and speaks to uh, organizations that help people with disabilities. He all around just created this business just to help people understand the importance of how to deal with people with disabilities. Why don't you start with telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, first, I'd like to acknowledge with gratitude that I'm coming to you today from the unceded traditional territory of the Samyamu First Nation and the broader territory of the Coast Salish peoples. And I'm very happy to be able to do this for you today. My name is Nathan Shipley. I'm 27 years old, and I live with cerebral palsy quadriplegia which affects all four of my limbs, which is why I use a power wheelchair full-time. And I actually, over in the corner, I do have a, I require the assistance of a service animal as well. So. Awesome. What has been your most life-changing accomplishment? Um, Sure. So. I, I, um, one of my, um, most life-changing accomplishments or one of my, um, greatest accomplishments, at least I think anyway, is graduating high school. Um, that took a lot of time focus as it does for everybody. And I'm sure Alexis, you can, you can attest to that. But for me, it took uh, accommodation from accommodation, um, support. So that would be doing every second question, if there was a test, you know. So a lot of accommodation and support and um, a lot of support from the EA team in the school environment. Is there something they did that you really noticed made a difference? Uh, well, well not, not specifically, but I would say that it really helps when you have EAs that really know the students really well and knows what works for their accommodations. Like if you have the right IDP, which is the Individualized Education Plan, and it's followed properly, then the, uh, then you're able to be accommodated properly in the school environment. And once the, the EAs know um, what your needs are, um, then, then um, they can accommodate you properly or make changes as, as things happen. Yes. Can you tell us about your struggles dealing with daily living? I'm sure. Uh, so I require um, 20, 24-7 um, support. So what I mean by that is I need somebody to help me with all my ADLs. So eating, so my food needs to be cut up. My, um, you know, I need somebody to help me drive my van, to help me go to the, like, transfer on and off the toilet, showering, all those basic, um, everything basically somebody that is able-bodied that can do for themselves, I would need help with. 
So I have yeah. somebody I I have somebody that helps me with those things. Um, awesome. Must be a struggle and a half sometimes. Well, it, it, well, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I mean, look, thankfully, in the province of BC, we have the CISO program, which provides funding through the health authorities to get funding so we can hire our own supports. But yes. it, it thank, so we're very thankful for that. But there is still um, struggles. I don't know how you want me to say it, like struggles or um, or there's still gaps in that service. But I got to be very careful what, what I say. The program is very good, but there's always room for improvement. Yes. Um. Does that, your challenges with daily living relate to how you needed a special IEP at all? Um, no, because the IDP in terms of the education was in terms of the education setting. Um, so that was totally separate. Like I needed uh, help in the school so I could go to the washroom, but that didn't really affect the IDP because when somebody... Um, refers to the IDP, it's basically the educational adaptations um, um, they require. And I don't know if you have one, but you can, I'm sure you can relate to those as well. Yes. Um, is there anything you found super helpful that you really, really liked about your EAs? Or is it just common getting to know them? I, I Just to your second point there, is that um it is very it is just common getting to know them and reading their IDP, but it's also for those of you who don't know what the IDP is, it's it's a it's a individualized education plan. So people who have needs, um like special education needs, they have IDPs, um which are which will tell the school basically. Um, after being done by a psychologist, they will tell the school how to best accommodate the individual. That's and, the best way. Sorry, that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, and did you have specialized services within the school that really helped you get along with school better? Uh, when I was in high school, I basically, um, in the higher grades, I had enlarged text. You know, we would have, um, you know, um, a scriber, so somebody who would type for me, somebody who would write all those things. But um, me being in a wheelchair, I wouldn't need, well, there was like, I'm trying to think, there was like something called Curves also, I would read to you. And there's another one called Dragon, which I've heard on their conversations offline that it sometimes doesn't always cooperate with you, but. Uh, I'm sure people who've used Dragon that might be listening to this might start laughing. But uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Acc with the computer accidentally coming out with some swear words, which we're not going to repeat. But um, yeah. Do you think people have better respect after they see our adaptations and what we have to do? I would say, first of all, um, to your question, that people um, should have a good respect anyway, first of all, um, but they might have a better 
understanding of it, um, if that answers the question properly. Do you uh, feel like they would have a better, maybe a better attitude towards adapting things for you? Like, I feel like educating people is another step towards getting them to understand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, once they see it and they're educated and we explain, I mean, that could definitely, that definitely helps. But I would say one of the biggest uh, barriers for somebody has a physical disability, and I don't know about you, Alexis, but one of, one of the biggest barriers is attitudinal barriers as well. Oh, yes. So just, just people coming in, with, coming in with the right attitude instead of us having to educate them is, is always a good is always a, a good start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you help my teachers out and maybe give an example of an attitudinal barrier specifically in school? Um, that's a deep one there. Thanks for throwing me under the bus. No, I'm just I'm just for all the listeners. I'm just I'm just bugging her. Um, I haven't been in school for quite a few years, but what I would say is like a good example. I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but I went to vote in the municipal election. Um, not the not this one that just occurred, but the yes. one, the one I think it was the one prior. Or maybe it was some kind of election, and I I went to vote at the at the place, and I know Alexis is gonna laugh. Well, really would love to say, so I, I voted and everything's done, and then and then this man he goes and he talks, he's looking at me or or my support worker, and he goes, you can he can vote too, and and I look at him, and I kind of I didn't really say anything, but I kind of I said yeah, like I can do it. Like, just because I'm in a chair doesn't mean, like, that I can't do all the normal things that, like, able-bodied people can't do. I don't know, Alexis, is that a good example? Or That's like, an awesome example. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, just more about your, go more into depth about your experience and life and attitudinal barriers? Sure, I mean... There's always work to do. I mean, you know, like we can advocate. It's always, it's getting better, right? It's getting better, but um, there's always work to do. That's one of the reasons why I started a uh, business uh, in 2019 called Rolling with Nathan, where I basically go into uh, post-secondary schools, not going to, like um, virtually, and I talk to um, medical um, students and and broader um, communities uh, like in the post-secondary uh, world about you know accessibility and my ADLs and how how to help me because um we can start changing attitudes. Yes. But that's one of the reasons why I started it, and I I often make the joke with my fabulous support staff that um, eventually everything will be good and uh, eventually I'll be out of a job. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. That's an interesting thought. Can you tell us a little bit more about your business and how it grew and what the purpose of it is? 
Sure. We know so... the purpose is to educate, but what does educate mean to you? That's that's a deep one. Thank you for throwing me under the bus again. I'm just I'm just I'm just making her laugh for all of you that are out there. I'm sure. So I I'm trying to be funny. I started this business in 2019 after many barriers to you know post secondary education, like courses not being at the right time, etc. I unfortunately can't go into depth about those things because we. We will run out of time and it'll be like two, three hours podcast where we only have like 30 minutes. So I can't get into that, those many details. But after wanting to start by speaking to elementary and high schools, now this was by the end by the end of 2019. So when I just was about ready to take bookings, there was this thing called COVID-19 hit. So after pausing it and having a lot of family support. Um, they then encouraged me to reach out to um, post-secondary institutions that, that you know, educate uh, EA um, educational assistance. So EA, but the main thing was um, healthcare um, assistance. Because like I mentioned before, there were many barriers to post-secondary education and my fabulous dad, who my dad and my mom, my parents are amazing, as I'm sure Alexis's parents are as well. They yes. always they always encourage me to use my voice. Um, as you can, well, you can't see, but I can't use my hands at all. So I always make the joke that they might as well hire my fabulous assistant to do the work instead of, instead of me if it's an office job. But they might as well be paying them instead of me because I'd just be sitting around doing nothing, right? The challenge was to get find a job um, that I could just use my voice instead of you know having people help me. I mean, I still need assistance to you know write the get the presentations and my support workers do the powerpoints, etc. But that that's the main thing is I use my voice and and they really they the students really really like it because I give them valuable life experience. Because I've heard from a lot of people that I wish you were around when I was in school because you give us practical experiences about what it's like living with a disability. Awesome. That's a great answer. Um, I wish there was more people like us who had experiences to give. There should be one in each classroom. Yeah, well... Uh... I hope your teacher. Well, I shouldn't say I hope. I don't hope your teachers aren't listening. But if any of your teachers are listening and they they want me to come in and do a virtual presentation, I'd be happy to. As far as far as using your voice goes, that's the your voice is the amazing tool you have. Yeah, because I would say one of the hardest things is getting into the post-secondary institutions, but once I got into them and they realized the service that I was providing, especially during the middle of COVID, they were like, could you please, you know, come back because our students love, you know, that. So our students yes. get an extreme value out of it. And Matter of fact, I'm doing a presentation to the Alberta School District grade six class on Friday. Congratulations! That's a big, that's a big step, and 
and you talked about me doing big things, and I have to throw it back to you because you're the runner of this podcast and say, you have made huge steps and you should be very proud of yourself because you're only in grade 10. Yes. So you, you, uh, you got, we've talked offline many times about how you should be very proud of yourself because I wasn't doing as much as you were in grade 10, I'll tell you that much. So What were you doing in grade 10? I was just, uh, I mean, I mean, outside of outside of school wise, like you know, I would do my schoolwork, of course, but I wasn't doing meeting mighty people podcasts and doing all these things, and you know. Yeah, well, the beauty of it is, it's it's called a passion project. So we have entrepreneurial stuff we have to do. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I should also mention to going back to your earlier question is that. The reason why I started this business in the first place and pivoted to post-secondary in institutions in health, healthcare environments, etc., is that as somebody who's had a number of uh, surgeries and stuff, who better to educate the nurses about how to deal with us and using the pain skill because our pain tolerance is a lot higher. Yeah, that's great news. I mean... More people need to stand up and step up and be a voice. Yeah, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to thank my parents for instilling that into me at a young age, which is what you have to do when you have somebody with a disability, I will say. Right? You have to keep them positive. You have to. Yeah. Make them, make them feel like they're part of a community. Yeah, because... It's all about how you raise the child, right? That's what I talk about in my presentation. Yes. It's all about how you raise the child. And I, at least for me, I see people who come from families who may be struggling a little bit. I have Um, to be careful what I say, but I see the, the attitude change. Of course, yeah. It's and shout out to your parents as I said before. They all obviously raise you very well. Um, yes. And give you the right attitude to succeed in life as well as my parents did. Um so they deserve a lot of credit for instilling um this into us when we were younger, that's for sure. Yes. Um, as hard as it as it was for them when we were growing up is as hard as it is for us right now. Yeah, I mean, but they instill as as much as the beginning of life for them, they may have viewed it as, hopefully they didn't, but some people view it as, oh, poor me, because my son, son or daughter is going to be disabled and their life is ruined. Right? Yes. But if, if they... If, this is a bit off topic, I apologize, but it's all about the attitude, right? If they choose, okay, well, instead of poor me, we're going to raise him properly and he's going to be a normal. I hate that word normal, but I would say uh, a contributing member of society, which is what my 
Vance decided to do then all the power to them, right? So Yes. They you have to raise them as a contributing member of society in order for them to succeed with the disability. You of have course, to. Yeah. I mean that leads me to my next question. As referring to our disabilities, we can either be disabled person or person first. Would you explain why you like your your language preferences so, best? So just to reiterate, you want me to explain my language preference? Uh, yes. I would say I would say yes. I I prefer person first, and what I always tell people if they bring this uh, question up is. We know, I mean, Alexis, you're obviously not in a in a wheelchair. But for me, I, I use a wheelchair. I know I use a wheelchair. I don't need to be talked down to. We prefer, I prefer anyway. I mean, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I would assume, and this is a pretty strong assumption from what I've heard in the past, that most people want to refer to as person first. Yes. Which is, which is the way that I would prefer to be of course of course you know you get get the occasional elderly people or young baby like what's wrong with you know what's wrong with him or why is he you know but that's an educational opportunity right yes and can you maybe explain why people might want to be referred to the other way around um like as disabled person versus person first they might be um, very proud of their disability in terms of, you know, I have a disability and this is how I grew up and this is which 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 I which I am like that too. But I also reiterate, like I know I have a disability, right? And the yes. other thing too is we also want to refer to person first language because. Um, somebody going back to your earlier point about the hospitals and surgeries that I brought up earlier, somebody could be new, newly disabled. So for those listeners who might not understand what that means, is newly disabled, i.e., car accidents, i.e., they're paralyzed now and they have to be in a chair for the rest of their life. So that might be um embarrassing. Like they might, it might be a new feeling that they might be embarrassed about it, you know what I mean? Hide, yes. hide themselves. So we don't want to press disability on them. Right? Yes. So I, I can kind of see, but again, it's all about what I said before, um, is society, the way society views it, right? Society, so, the way society sees people with disabilities, which... Right. I hope changes because right now we have a separate human rights act and I hope that changes. What do you think about the separate human disability rights act? To be honest with you, I haven't looked into, I haven't done uh, research into that, so I can't really uh, get into that. Um, what kind of act are you referring to? I'm sorry. I the, the Disability Human Rights Act. People with disabilities have a certain, a separate right to the hu human 
humans have a right, and people with disabilities have a separate right. Yeah, yeah, I see. I, I kind of, um, from what you're saying, I kind of disagree with that. I, I mean, I haven't studied it, so I don't want to make my opinion totally public about that. But based on what you're saying, I can kind of, I kind of see where you're going, and I kind of agree with your stance as well. I mean, human rights is a is an issue. It's not much of an issue now in terms of advocating for access because there's a lot of research um, now that has come out saying access. A lot of RHF research, the Rick Henson Foundation, and stuff like that. But I will say um, that it, it is still a it is still an issue. Yes. Um, there is there is an incident that I can think of in my. Um, there's a couple instances that I can think of um, in my situation that I don't want to um, bring up here, just because I don't know where this is gonna make an appearance. Um, so I don't want to offend people, what have you. I don't want to yes. lay myself out there. but um, That's a, an interesting opinion. The sa- I have kind of the same opinion as you, and that's kind of what I wanted to reinforce to the audience, how we have a separate act. A human well, rights act still, but a separate one compared to able-bodied humans. Right, right. Well, I will. I will say that I I haven't studied it, so I don't really want to get into detail about that. So I got to be really careful, as you said as well. But I will say, for those of you who don't know, I have able-bodied um, support people, support workers, support assistants. Right. That doesn't mean that they have different opinions than I do. I mean, we may have different opinions but they have the same rights as I do and they have the same wants, likes, you know, um interests in their life that I do. I mean everybody's different, but we are still we are still human. Right? Yes. Just, just because I'm in a chair, yes I have a service dog. We're not talking about dogs, we're talking about humans, okay? I just wanna throw that in there. Uh, we're talking about humans, right? So Yes. Um, just because I'm in a chair and have a dog to assist or have another human, and the reason why I'm referring to that is because we're talking about human rights, right? Yes. So just because I have another human to assist doesn't mean that human is any different. Yes, I have a disability, but and my uh, brain bleed at birth that caused me to be in a chair, but I'm still a human, right? Yes, you're still a human. You still deserve the same rights. I appreciate right. that answer, Nathan, because that's what I wanted to get across. Right. Have people start considering that we are still humans, although we have to do things differently in our daily living activities. Right, well... I'm going to use an analogy here. I don't know if you remember years ago. I don't know how many years ago it was. BC Children's Hospital. They were trying to build a new building, the Tech Acute Care Center. So they had this um, campaign. It was like the Be a Superhero campaign. So what I always tell people is that 
I'm the same person as them. I'm just in a chair. But I also, for little kids, I love saying, saying that I have superpowers, you know? <laughs> because for some people, what I do tell them is like, yes, I can't use my hands, but I may have, I may be smarter in different areas than average, like, people, you know, average humans. Yes. So. May you not be able to see or hear, but you're smarter intellectually than other You're stronger in other ways than somebody able-bodied who has full uh, function of everything would be. Right. I hope your view, your, your listeners will understand that. Uh, I hope so, too. Yes. Well, thank you for today, Nathan. I appreciated your interview and your time. No problem. Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, do you want yeah. me to put my website here, or do you want me to say it, or are you going to put it in the... I'll put it in the transcript when I do it. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure, and I hope your listeners enjoy listening. Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meeting Mighty People podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing to my MailChimp so that you can get email updates of my blog and podcast episodes. Also, if you know of anyone who you think would benefit from listening to the Meeting Mighty People podcast, go ahead and spread the word. We appreciate your consideration and support towards spreading the word of the Meeting Mighty People podcast. This is Alexis Folk, host of the Meeting Mighty People podcast, signing off. Until next time.